0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Good Drop. Today, we are talking about Porter.
1: Yes, we are uh, excited to be back in the darker side of beer. Mm. It's been quite a while since we've talked about a dark beer.
0: Literally the dark side, because people died thanks to this beer. Yeah,
1: And we'll uh, get into that a bit later on. Yeah. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. fruity Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised. Like there's a definite smokiness to it, which you'd expect from a, a smoky porter. Yeah. But yeah, those subtle fruity flavours are surprising and pleasant.
0: Hmm. It's yeah, it's surprisingly light bodied for uh, a porter. But that could be because it's an Australian summer right now and it's hot as balls. So we're <laughs> drinking it chilled,
1: which will of yeah. course change the flavour profile. As as you probably know by now, darker beers aren't supposed to be drunk ice cold. Not no, necessarily. Like well, slightly warm. Yeah, I mean around room temperature, but that's British room temperature, mm. which, which is like ten degrees. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is a <laughs> bit cooler than room temperature in Australia most of the time. Mm. But it's
0: good. It's it's still nice, and it was actually quite challenging to find a dark beer that wasn't cheap as. Cheapest chips because it's as I said before an Australian summer, and if you like pale ale, or uh, or lager, or, or lager, now's the time to buy it. Yeah, that's it about everywhere. it.
1: But admittedly, a pale ale or a lager are super refreshing when they're mm. ice cold on a hot day.
0: Oh yeah, fantastic for the current weather. Pairs well with hot temperatures.
1: Yes, absolutely, <laughs> um, I
0: mean, and. D- the darker beers tend not to lend themselves well To be drunk on a hot day
1: Yeah, though this is very pleasant mm. Surprisingly mm. pleasant mm. Admittedly, we were drinking a couple of XPAs Before we started recording mm. Just to but, Well, it was hot, we had to cool down Yeah, exactly, to, to help us cool down And I think that the juxtaposition Of the flavour profile of an XPA Versus this porter Really makes the flavours of the porter jump
0: mm. Definitely. So the the beer we're drinking, because we haven't actually told you what we're drinking yet, is the Smoked Porter by the Feral Brewing Co. It says, we make sure the gentle bitterness of this beer is rounded with a classic malt flavour in a true porter style. But to make things uniquely feral, as we like to do, we add a subtle hickory flavour from German malts smoked over beechwood. Which gives this porter a truly special and unexpected character. It's flaming sensational,
1: and it it is. I would say that they're yeah. not blowing smoke up our asses with the, yeah. with that description <laughs> of their smoky porter.
0: <laughs> the uh, the pig character that they've got on the front is though. Yeah. So porter is has such a strange history. Yeah. And, as, as I said before, yeah, people have literally died. Because of this beer. Um, We've got a... uh, Well, we'll be talking about a flood. A porter flood. Uh, We're going to talk about poisonings. And we're going to talk about how it's changed over the last 300 years. Yes,
1: the, uh, the evolution of its production. And, of course, we will briefly mention how that evolution resulted in it... Switching off to, as we mentioned previously, stout. Hmm.
0: I'm kind of surprised we didn't do this one first, but it makes sense when you realise that porters aren't as popular as stouts anymore.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, haven't been for a while, I guess, because of some really good stouts.
0: Hmm. But I, I would call... Stouts an evolution of port, a natural evolution of porter, yeah. because porter is a a beer that is also aged. Mm. Only a little bit, but they were aging it at the brewery instead of sending it to the the publicans or the pubs.
1: Oh well, not originally. Traditionally before 1700 london brewers sent out their beers very young mm. and the aging was done by the dealer or the publican yeah so they they held on to it and um then yeah with uh, with porter they yeah they aged it there at the brewery and distributed it ready to drink which was an unusual thing for anybody to do at that time
0: yeah and it's um well, it was... And also, back in those days, it was normal practice to, to serve a, a beer that was a mix of different beers brewed in individual beer casks. Each cask known as a butt, and each beer that came from that butt was a thread. So a, a mug of beer might contain several different threads of blended beer, with three threads, a well-known term at the time.
1: Right, so you'd have three threads of beer butt... <laughs> <laughs> and and that was normal in the 1700s, uh, apparently.
0: Yeah. Well, I I would say that back in the 1700s, or the 18th century, they didn't have the knowledge to be as consistent in their brewing practices as they do today.
1: Mm, but they did develop it at that time, though. I mean, the uh, early London porters were... Strong by modern standards, and they were able to start measuring that strength around the 1770s right. because they pioneered new technologies the the large London Porter breweries were pouring money into R&;D to wow. develop better ways of producing beer and they developed the uh, beer thermometer and uh, hydrometers mm. Which um, assisted them in things like measuring what the alcohol percentage of their beer was. Right. And uh, back then, in the 1770s, they recorded the strength of porter as 6.6 percent. Oof.
0: That's that's a bit that's strong.
1: Yeah. So yeah, by by today's standards, it mm-hmm. was really strong. Yeah. And um, but
0: uh, well, that style of beer was a hit with the 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 Cockney geezers that or the muscly cockney geezers that frequented these pubs and they they normally worked as porters which is where the name came from
1: yeah and i mean they would have had you know knocked back a couple of pints of that and been pretty happy with themselves <laughs> yeah and I it's think.
0: it's the kind of beer that could feed you for a day as well
1: yeah though the extras and the triples and even the stout porter didn't come until oh, the the 19th century hmm but um, yeah, the, originally brewers had used 100% brown malt in brewing porter mm. and uh, it was the addition of these new technologies that allowed them to identify that they weren't actually being financially efficient in, in doing it that way. They discovered that brown malt only produced two-thirds as much fermentable material as pale malt so they had to use way more of it to be able to produce the same amount of beer.
0: Yeah. So they all well, they started to cut corners. They and, did. And um and they were using to cut corners, some brewers used molasses and burnt sugar to artificially color the ale and others began evaporating uh, the wort until what remained was a coloring consistency of treacle. So with this dark syrup then used to to color the beer. So they cheating
1: yeah so let's uh let's get into why though because the why is interesting because the brown malt was actually really cheap yeah which is half the reason why initially they didn't care that they had to use more of it but during the napoleonic war a tax was put on malt so the more malt they used no matter what type it was the more tax they paid
0: oh because they needed to feed the horses with that yeah with malt instead of the Beer.
1: yeah exactly so they started using pale malt instead and then making up the difference with a tiny bit of brown malt or a coloring agent mm. to try and get the same flavors and yeah this is where we get into the darker side of the darker beers the things that they used to try and get the color and flavor when yeah. they well, weren't using brown malt
0: well i've got a list here this time um so so because of this Yeah, because there was a huge demand and people were trying to avoid the tax. They were using things like poisonous exotic berries, uh, opium, Indian hemp, strychnine, tobacco, Darnell seed. I'm not sure what Darnell seed is, but it sounds uh, poisonous. Uh, You've got uh, logwood and salts of zinc, lead, and alum were thrown in as well. So lots of people died from that. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people.
1: They would have done, and uh, finally the well,
0: that yeah that that reminds me of absinthe as well because they were using I believe if I if I'm recalling correctly they were using uh, copper arsenic to colour the the fake absinthe green.
1: Yeah, and that would have left some very unhappy or very dead. Yeah, customers, unhappy or dead.
0: Yeah, they were definitely cheating with the the green colouring as well. Yeah, so I, can, I mean, if there's such a huge demand, I can see why they'd do it. It doesn't mean they're ethically right, but I can see why.
1: Yeah, where they're trying to save some money. And, um, yeah, in 1816, the British government decided to save some lives by passing a law that prevented the use of anything other than malt and hops in beers. mm Thank goodness for that. Yeah, and of course that meant that they couldn't put any additives, couldn't put any colours, couldn't put anything to artificially augment the flavour.
0: Yeah, which meant that things got seriously expensive until the next year, when a fantastic innovation by a man called Daniel Wheeler, in the name of the malt roaster...
1: Yeah, and he came out with uh, what's known as patent malt or black malt, or in some cases patent black malt.
0: Yeah, the the patent number four one one two, called new and improved method of drying and preparation of malt. It's a fancy name for a malt roaster.
1: Yeah, it was basically kilning barley malt to the point of carbonization at roughly two hundred degrees Celsius. Yes, yeah.
0: very very similar to how you roast coffee.
1: Yeah, and um, so they were getting it to where it was nearly disintegrating, but not quite, and then using that to make beer. Mm.
0: And, the, and well, the best part about it is that it left a lot of the sugars in there still, so they could use less uh, pale malts to produce the brew.
1: Yeah, so uh, brewers were at that point able to produce a porter from a 95% pale malt and 5% black malt. Hmm. But uh, the majority of London breweries, even at that time, continued adding some brown malt for the flavour. Mm. And uh, I believe there is still an amount of brown malt used to this day in porters. And
0: well, that's, that's it's part of the flavour now. Yeah, it's not. It's a, a artistic choice. A, a yeah, a craft choice. Yeah, because they
1: they don't need to. It gets the colour and a distinctive flavour without it. But it's not the same flavor.
0: No. And I mean, with beer, if you change where the water comes from, it changes the flavor of the beer. So adding a tiny amount of brown malt instead of 100% black malt creates a very different beer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, that leads us, I guess it was around that time they started playing around with quantities of things and we end up with the double porter the triple porter the stout porter mm. which of course then evolved into no longer having the word porter at the end and just became stout and then stout evolved into the imperial stout and the <laughs> yeah. triple stout and the
0: imperial stouts are dangerous yeah very dangerous because they they tend to be at least 10% ABV and so tasty so, so tasty.
1: And yeah, we'll we'll try not to go too far into stout, because you can go back to episode 20 mm. and uh, have a listen all about stout, where we mentioned very briefly how it developed from porter, but left a lot for today.
0: So throughout the 1800s and most of the 1900s, uh, demand for clearer, lighter beers like pale ales and lagers intensified, signalling the end of the, I would say, I would call it the, the porter age. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think we could easily call it the Porter Age because yeah. it was so popular.
0: It was everywhere, um, but it peaked in the 1820s.
1: Yeah, though so I, I would say that without the Porter Age and um, the extra technology that they developed, I mean, with, without the alcohol thermometer, mm. without being able to make sure that you were doing everything at exactly the right temperature to consistently produce the same flavours, we wouldn't have some of the light beers we have today.
0: Yeah, and we wouldn't have some, Well, we wouldn't have. Definitely, wouldn't have the dark beers we have today. We wouldn't have anywhere near the number of stouts we have because of the invention of the malt roaster. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, so, well, speaking of beers today, there's a whole there's a whole pile of different styles of porter now. Um, you've got your, or well, we're drinking a, probably a classic porter. Um, but you've got the English porter, which is divided into brown and robust. You've got your American porter and you've got your Baltic porter. Uh, the the brown porter, or the English brown, is a moderately strong malt flavour, including a lightly burnt black malt character with a roasty dryness in the finish. Uh, traditional versions will have more subtle hop character, while modern versions may be more aggressive. I reckon that's that tastes... Well, that sounds like what we're drinking at the moment.
1: Mm. It does sound. Ver- I mean, obviously, this is an Australian variant.
0: Most Australian alcoholic drinks are more floral in their in their bouquets, in their flavours. Like the Australian whiskey is is very f- herby.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's just something about our climate for growing the ingredients that mm. makes them come out with yeah a significantly more floral note.
0: Yeah, like more more botanicals. Mm. That Australian style has infused itself into the the beer we're drinking as well, which tastes very tropical and floral for a beer.
1: Yeah, and I mean naturally they're you know pushing towards something that people will want to drink in a warm climate where mm. it's warm all year round. I mean even in winter here it's it's not cold. <laughs> it's fairly warm here. Yeah, yeah. And, unless you're in Tasmania, it's not cold in winter. It is, to us, but not mm. by, like, Canadian standards. <laughs> no. Uh
0: So, the second one is the Robust Porter, which is, as its name suggests, a uh, more intense beer with roasty malts, sometimes with a pronounced hop bitterness. So, definitely not this one.
1: No, definitely not this one, though. A, uh, I think I have had some hoppier porters before, and they are very pleasant. When, uh, when the weather's right for it and mm. with the, the right accompaniment. I yeah. think like if you're drinking it with a meal or something, it uh, goes quite nicely. Mm.
0: So you've got your American Porter, which is a highly hopped variety, often using smoked malts or other adjunct flavours like coffee, lactose or chocolate to complement the roasty flavours associated with this style. Similar to stout... Uh, some versions are barrel-aged in bourbon or whiskey barrels. So if that sounds like something you're into, try... Sorry, try Founders Porter, Ballast Point, Victory at Sea, something like that. Or um, check out an Imperial Stout from your um, local craft brewery. And the last one is a Baltic Porter. This one blurs the lines between Porter and Stout, it's kind of like an English porter that's been fortified with a percentage of somewhere between five and a half to nine and a half. So this is really potent stuff. They have a, a rich malty sweetness with a complex blend of deep malt, dried fruit esters, and often warming booze notes. Uh, may have a burnt caramelized finish and are very full-bodied. Sort of sounds like the imperial stout that I had last night um, from. The Brisbane Brewing Co. in West End. It was aged in a bourbon barrel. It was so nice. But you couldn't drink too much of it. it was a It's a one-and-done kind of drink.
1: <laughs> well, that's probably for the best, because I usually I get disappointed when I go somewhere and I want a pint of something. I basically want anything in a pint if, yeah. if I can, but whenever a place doesn't do a pint... I get sad, but if they have... If it's a really full-flavoured and strong thing, and you can have it, and you only want to drink it in little bits at a time... Oh, yeah. ...then that changes everything.
0: Yeah, I was drinking... The the midi that I had, or the the pot that I had, I drank it at half the speed of the other guys that were there, because it's that rich, that you couldn't Mm. drink it fast. And even having it with food... I still couldn't drink. Still couldn't drink it fast. It was too good to drink at, at any speed. Oh, wow. Uh, hopefully they still have some.
1: Yeah. But you never know. Yes. Hopefully they hold on to it until I've got the time to get down there.
0: <laughs> they were near the end of the keg when I had some. Oh, damn. <laughs> so when did you first hear about porters?
1: Oh, I think the the first time I tried a porter would have been oh, probably. Eight or seven, seven or eight years ago, wow. I think back at um, at a little place called the Archive Bar. Oh yeah, which does um, lots of uh, now I'm drawing a blank on the word, even mm-hmm. though we talk about it all the time. Lots of craft beers. <laughs> so the Archive Bar, at a little place called the Archive Bar, which basically just sells craft beers.
0: Hmm. Well, and, it's a, it's basically an archive of beer. Yeah. They like got. Everything just about. Yeah, well, they um, had it, almost everything when I was there last. And
1: it's it's been quite some time since I was there previously. Is that they're always so busy that you can mm. never find a space?
0: Yeah, and I I think the last two times, I was like a couple of years apart. Mm. They've moved from trying to serve everything to niching down to having a few different ones on tap that they rotate around.
1: Ah. But uh, yeah, so that um, this this particular time when I first tried one, mm. they had a a bucket that contained four different beers from this one particular company. Oh, nice! And uh, one of those beers was a extra stout, and mm-hmm. uh, while well, technically that's a stout, as we know from this episode and even the stout episode. Yeah. It is an evolution from Porter.
0: It is. I would say they're very different beers now because mm. while they were similar back then, they've branched off into yeah. different directions. But
1: certainly that that was my first experience with a with a dark beer, with a dark ale. And right. I can't recall the first time I had a porter specifically.
0: I can tell you. It was twelve months ago. At your last New Year's party?
1: <laughs> well, that's that's the first time you're aware of.
0: That well, that that's the first time I had a porter. Hmm. It was um, so someone that was there bought a case, and I swapped, I swapped one.
1: Ah, because hmm. I I think I had one of those as well. Yeah, and...
0: uh, James Squire porter. Yeah,
1: I, they, I thought it was okay. Yeah, they weren't bad, but they weren't mind blowing. Yeah. But then James Squire have lost their way, I think.
0: Yeah, well, they've got to mass-produce them now. Yeah.
1: Back back when they were still craft beer, they were doing amazing things, and Mm. now it's still good, but it feels like it's not as good as it once was. Well,
0: it's a premium beer, um, but as we learned on the craft brewery tour, you really need to pour things into a glass.
1: Yeah, well that that too.
0: So we're missing half of the experience by drinking this water out, out of a the bottle. bottle.
1: <laughs> Though we are still getting a lot of flavours and dare I say it we'd probably get a lot more mm. if we cracked a fresh one, poured it into a glass and tried it from there.
0: Well I'm not driving anywhere. Do you want what do you want another one? <laughs> Oh, I I, actually probably not a good idea christmas eve. Yeah, probably yeah. not a good idea on christmas I'll g- eve. I'll give you a takeaway, how's that?
1: I won't say no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um anyway, where were we? Yeah, so perhaps that it will ta- a James Squire would taste better if we poured it into a into a glass instead of drinking it out of the bottle.
1: Yeah, I mean, because now we know. And Hmm. uh, as anybody in America will tell you, knowing is half the battle.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I haven't got anything else.
1: No, I think because we um, touched on this back in episode 20 and we don't really want to double back on ourselves too much. No, but it is
0: good to have a refresh.
1: Yeah, so that's probably all we need to say about Porter, except, you know, if you haven't tried it, and you like a full-flavored beer? Do mm. go and try it. Yeah, if you if you like
0: an IPA or a amber ale, it's I do recommend. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's a bit stronger than your pales or your ambers, but a bit more mild than a stout. So if a stout mm. is just a little on the strong side for you, porter's port where is, it's at. Yeah, probably mm. right what you want. Definitely.
0: So if you liked what you heard, uh, like us or subscribe to our RSS feeds or through your favourite podcast app including uh, Apple Podcasts, you can find us as A Good Drop, all about alcohol.
1: Yep, and uh, of course we have a website, a agooddrop.com.au
0: Yep, you can find us on the socials as A Good Drop Podcast we're on Facebook, Instagram uh, YouTube um, we've got a yeah, if you um, if you want to send us any feedback or suggestions for episodes or a uh, a funny beer story, um, send us an email.
1: Yeah, at uh, a good at gmail and uh, of course you can also go you know, comment on our Facebook or something if you'd yeah. like to,
0: or leave us a five star review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that because we we want to get heard by more people, and that's. You know, more more listeners, more uh, more feedback, more funny stories. Yep,
1: absolutely, and it, it's always good to have fresh ideas for something yeah. for us to talk about as well.
0: That's it. So next week, what are we what are we listening to? are going to what uh, are we talking about next week?
1: Back to wine and talking about mm. cab sauv. Ooh,
0: that's um, uh, that's what the, one of the most well rounded of the red wines, isn't it?
1: Uh I believe it is, but our listeners will have to tune in to find out.
0: Mm. I'm excited. So, yeah, stay tuned. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.